series called Future Family, and I want to give you kind of a, kind of a recap of where we've been and where we're going. Um, you can think of this series, it's a six-part series, you can kind of think of this series a little bit like a series of blog posts or like chapters in a book. Okay, so we started the series looking at what the goal of family is. What, what is the goal of relationships? What is it that we're trying to do when we have friendships and community? What is it that we're hoping comes from the family that, that you're a part of or the family that you're building? And then we looked at how to forgive the family that we grew up in. All of us carry things um, with us. We all carry things said to us, things done to us. We all carry hurt um, that, that came to us through our families of origin, through elementary school, middle school, high school. We all carry those things. They all impact how you parent, how you relate in your marriage, how you relate at work, how you see authority figures, how you see yourself. And then we looked last week at how to destroy your most important relationships. It's easy to do, and it's easy to see the destruction happening in other people's lives. And next week, we're gonna look at what is at the center, at the heart of your most important relationships. What is at the heart of your future family? How do you, how do you have a heart that is for the other person in relationships? Because it's easy to have a heart for yourself in relationships. And it's easy to, have, to want the other person to have a heart for you and to have your best in mind, but how do you have their best in mind? And two weeks from today, we're going to look at what I think is the most important thing that we're going to talk about in this entire series. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. You'll have to come back in two weeks, but it's really good. And it's, I think it is the thing that changed our marriage and family to the greatest degree. But today, I want to talk about something that we don't normally think about. We think about it after the fact, and that is the reality of seasons, the reality of seasons in life. All of life is made up of seasons. And, and I started to see this more clearly um, in, in my late 30s. As I got closer to 35, I remember Katie came home. She was having coffee with a group of women. And, and one of the women uh, was a, a little bit older than we were. And so her husband had already turned 40. And so uh, Katie had mentioned, you know, that my 35th birthday was coming up. And, and the woman looked at her and she goes, oh, get ready. And Katie's like, well, for what? She's like, so your husband's about to become a wreck and really emotional and he's not going to know what to do and he's not going to know what's going on and, like, and it's going to bulldoze him. Like, you're going to see it, but he's not. So she came home and she goes, are you okay? And, uh, and I was like, I, I think so. Like, I, I think I'm okay. Like, you know what? And, and she's like, well, because like I heard you're about to like get really emotional, which I'm not an emotional person. Like, I don't really get emotional. Um, and I was like, I, I don't think I am. And, um, well, that lady was really right. Um, like, she was really correct in, in what happens because life is made up of seasons and things happen in seasons. Things happen in the passages of life. Things happen as you age. And there's a few different ways to think about seasons in relationships. There's a few different ways to think about it. And we're going to look at three of them today. The first way is, is just very plainly to think of your life in halves. The first half and the second half. And I saw this recently, I was talking to a pastor who's in his 60s, and he said to me, he said, Josh, the first half of your life is about what you say yes to. The first half of your life is all about what you say yes to. But the second half of your life is about what you 
say no to. See, the first half of your life is all about how you gain experience, how you gain uh, skills, how you, how you gain whatever it is that you're trying to build. I remember when I, when I was 19 and I was beginning to speak and, and I was trying to figure out, like, how do I preach? How do I become a better communicator? And a mentor told me, he said, Josh, say yes to every opportunity to speak. He said, it doesn't matter if there's going to be seven people in the room or a thousand people in the room. Say yes to every opportunity to speak, to write, put your 10,000 hours in, just get started. And so I said yes to every opportunity that came along. But as you get older and into the second half of your life, whenever that begins for you, it becomes more about what you say no to. You start to focus in on what it is that you're actually going to spend your life doing. You start to focus in on the people that you're going to spend the most time with. You start to say no more often. And, and we see this all the time. You see all kinds of people, you know, in the second half of their life, they keep saying yes to everything. And they're burned out and they're aimless, and the people around them feel the pain and difficulty of them saying yes to everything. Now, another way to see life in seasons is one that is really common for us, and that is in the reality of our age, of decades, thinking through the, the lens of the decades that we live in. Now, depending on your personality, as we go through this, some of you are going to be like, none of these make sense to me because... I'm a snowflake and I'm a flower and I'm really unique and my stages are different from everybody. So if that's you, just hang on. We're going to we'll get to you at the end, okay? But as you think about ages, there are specific things that happen across ages that are pretty universal. As I said earlier, your, your 20s and 30s are about building. Somewhere around 35 to 45, you start to have what most people call a midlife crisis of something, of some sort. It could, be, uh, it could be in relationships, it could be financial, it could be around your career, but you start to just have kind of a crisis. It could be a faith. Around 45 to 55, you begin to see that some of your skills start to diminish and decline, and you're kind of wondering, like, man, what is going on? Like, I'm not as quick as I used to be. I'm not, you know, I, I used to be faster on the draw, but now I'm a little bit slower, and, and I'm not sure why. In your 20s, you're, you're learning. In your teens and your 20s are about learning and growing. You're asking questions about purpose. Notice in your 20s and 30s, you're not really asking, or you're in your teens and 20s, you're not really asking questions of meaning. That comes later. You're asking questions of purpose. What am I gonna do with my life? What's God's will for my life? You, you enter into your young adults in 20s and 30s, you start building things, you're building a career, you're moving up the ladder, you're getting started. Maybe you're starting a business. You're trying to conquer things, you're trying to make more money, you're trying to get ahead. Maybe you start a family, maybe you buy a house, maybe you start a business. Somewhere around your late 30s and 40s, you start to ask, you start to look around at relationships in your career and you start to go, is this it? Like, is this, is, this is what I spent all my life on? Like, this is, I went to school for this and this is like, this is what I got? Like, I meet so many guys in their 40s who are just totally ambivalent about life because they're like, I thought this would feel better. I thought I would feel more excited when I finally got here. Like, this is what I set out to do, and like, this is, this is it. I, I got a new kitchen out of this. Like, this is what I got. And in your 30s and 40s, you start to wonder if it's too late. You start to go, did I, did I miss it? See, in your teens and 20s, you're thinking, when, when is it going to be my turn? And then 
in your 30s and 40s, you're like, did I miss it? And, and you're like, well, maybe there's like a magical day in the middle where like it was my turn. <laughs> but I hope I didn't miss it. Somewhere along in your 30s and 40s too, you start to wake up and you're like, why am I so tired? Like, why, why, why do I like hurt all the time? Like, is this old age? Like, this achiness? Like, my knees crack? Like, you're starting to stretch a little bit more and you're like, oh. Like, you get hurt just sitting wrong. But then as you move into your 50s, Questions of old age and empty nesting start to rush in, and it seems like a gun went off. And then you start to look around, too, in your 50s, and you start to realize that some of your friends and family that are your age passed away. And so questions of mortality start to rush in a little bit faster in your 50s. You start to look back on your life, and you're starting to frame things in regret and missed opportunities a little bit more than you used to. Maybe your kids moved out of the house and you wonder, man, when did it get so quiet? Or maybe your kids are still there and you're thinking, when are they moving out of the house so it can get quiet? But you also start to, you also start to look around and, and you go, man, I feel like I have more time than I've ever had before. Like, I talk to a lot of people in their 50s and 60s and 70s, and, and, and they're, just, they're just bored. They just have so much time on their hands, and they're like, I don't know what I'd do with all this extra time now. And then, somewhere in your 50s, too, as your kids start to age, you, you look at your spouse and you go, you're not who I married. Like, you're a different person now. Like, when did that happen? Like, do we have anything in common anymore? Like, do we... Do we do anything together anymore? Like, we, we have our own friends, and, you know, I golf, and, and you hike, and, you know, I, I'm into this. And, and all of a sudden, you start to realize, we don't have any hobbies that, like, overlap anymore. Because you spent your, you spent your life building, and you spent your life raising and, and launching, and, and then all of a sudden, in your 50s, you're, you're a little bit at a different kind of crisis in relationships. See, as we're going to see today, in Ecclesiastes 3, life is made up of seasons. Life and relationships are made up of seasons. They ebb and flow. And God put this in us. God created us to live in seasons. But the reality is, is most of us really just kind of overlook it. And when we overlook it, if we fail to see the seasons of life, we will actually miss what God has for us. Because every season has its own blessings. Every season has its joys. And every season has its challenges. Right, when parents get together, you know, when, you know, when I meet with younger parents, they're like, what's your favorite season of parenting? It just depends. Which kid do you want me to talk about? <laughs> but everybody has their own seasons of chal and challenges and joys. Maybe for you right now, you're in a season of, season of life that, you, that you're just loving, and you think, man, I, I just hope this lasts forever. But as we know from seasons, it won't last forever. There will be an end to it. But we don't know how to enjoy a good season. We don't know how to enjoy it, because we just rush through it. Or maybe you're in a place right now where, where it's just a hard season. It's hard in your career. It's hard in your relationships. It's hard in your body physically and emotionally. But know that the season ends. The calendar does turn. 
See, we see this most clearly in Ecclesiastes 3. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to share three ways to see life. I'll share the third one towards the end. But if you want to know, on your Connect card, um, there's a box that says Next Step Email. And if you check that, tomorrow we're going to send you how to see the season of life that you're in. How to maximize it. What questions to ask. Because there's questions that we need to ask in each season. I ask my kids questions all the time because of the season that they're in. They're asking questions that I'm not asking. Having four teenagers, they're asking questions that I'm not wrestling with anymore. But they're wrestling with those questions. But in Ecclesiastes 3, I love the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're, if you're one of those people who just love deep, like, emotional things, deep emotional poems, the book of Ecclesiastes is for you. If you're somebody who is just struggling with, like, ambivalence in life and trying to figure out, like, how do I, how do I get through the fog of life? Ecclesiastes is for you. Here, here's, here's kind of the framework of Ecclesiastes. Many people believe that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. We're not exactly sure, but I, I think he probably did. He wrote it towards the end of his life. And he wrote it looking back. And he, just, and he writes just kind of how he has walked through the stages of life. And the most common word, the number one word used in the book of Ecclesiastes, you know what it is? Meaningless. Okay? I mean, I just imagine Solomon, I mean, he's that guy, he's that Clint Eastwood character in the movie, you know, sitting on the porch, just get off my lawn. Like, that's Solomon in Ecclesiastes, okay? And in Ecclesiastes 3, he writes about the times of seasons in life. And he says this in verse 1. He says, there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. There is a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. There is a time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. There is a time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And he starts by saying there's an occasion and there's a time for everything. Now, when he writes this, he writes about positive and negative things, joyful and challenging things. And when you read through it, I mean, we love the positive stuff. There's a time for birth, celebrating, planting, healing, Building, dancing, laughing. Those are the good seasons. Those are the seasons that make up your picture books at home. Those are the family portraits on the wall. The milestone celebrations. Those are the stories that you will often talk about when you sit at funerals one day. The good stories. The laughter. The joy. The memories. When you get together with family for a holiday, those are the stories you talk about. Hey, do you remember? And you laugh until you cry. But he says there's also a time for pain and difficulty. There's a time for death. There's a time for uprooting. There's a time for tearing down. There's a time for weeping. There's a time for mourning. But when we look at seasons, when we think about our life, we just think, God, I just want the good ones. <laughs> I just want the good seasons. Right, when we're in a hard season, as we age through life, we start to look back and, be, and think, man, like, can we go back? Right, when, when you have young kids and you think, remember when we didn't have kids? 
Do you remember when we could sleep in? Do you remember when we could just take a nap? Do you remember when it was quiet? And then as you start to get a little bit older, I've talked to so many empty nesters who say, like, I just miss having my kids around. I just miss the teenagers here. I miss the energy. I miss the excitement, their friends being here. And so we spend most of our life looking back on a season, wishing we were back, or looking forward to saying, man, I can't, I can't wait till I'm in that season. I can't wait till finally I'm there. No matter what it is, whether it's career or relationships, and the thing is, is that we then miss the season we're in. You miss the season that God has in front of you. You miss the people that God put in front of you. You say, but yeah, but I want the, I want the joyful good season, Solomon. Like, I want the, I want the building up, the celebrating. But I think it's important that he starts by saying there is a time for every activity under heaven. Because this is so important. As you look back on your life, as I look back on my life, difficult seasons matter. Difficult seasons have led to my biggest growth, to my greatest growth in life. Now, that doesn't mean that I want to go back and relive them. That doesn't mean that I want to have those dark nights of the soul again where I'm just on the floor of my living room just crying out to God because of just the difficulty. That doesn't mean I want to do that again. But it does mean that those seasons matter and are just as important to God as the seasons I loved, as the seasons that I want to have again. See, here's one of the things that we'll often ask. Well, how long does a season last? And we, and we ask this in the seasons we hate. Like, if you're in a great season right now, you're probably not thinking, man, I wonder how long this is going to last. Well, now you are. Now you're thinking that. Now you're wondering. But here's the thing. As Scripture talks about seasons, it talks about it in different ways. It talks about it in generations, that generations come and go. Generations appear and then disappear and are forgotten. But we also see seasons in Scripture of things like, as God prepared Moses to, to take the people of Israel out of Egypt, he prepared Moses through 40 years. That was a season in the desert of 40 years. We see Jesus spends 40 days in the desert. So somewhere in there is a season. And you might think, man, I really just want, I want the Jesus 40 days season of the hard ones. But sometimes our seasons last a long time. See, but then there's a question that, that the writer gets to in Ecclesiastes 3 is, what's the point of seasons? And the writer makes clear there is a purpose to birth. There's a purpose to death and everything in between. Because there is a time coming where you'll get called into your boss's office and get fired. And there is a time coming when you'll get the email that says you're hired. There's a time coming when you'll get the dreaded phone call of the death of a loved one. But there's also a time coming that you're going to get that celebratory text that says, our baby was just born. See, life goes and comes. Maybe one day, your family, your kids, the people closest to you, they'll make you laugh. And then in the next minute, they're going to make you cry because it comes and goes. There's a time where you're going to feel full of hope. And there's a time where you're going to feel just utterly hopeless. There's going to be a time that it's going to hurt so bad that you want to tear your clothes in pain. And there will be a time to sew up those tears. And things will be rebuilt. 
And the writer says there is a purpose to every single time. That there is a time for love and there is a time for rejection. See, verse 1 is the capstone of this whole poem. That there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. And when he says under heaven, it's another way of saying that everything in our life happens under the power of God. And these things aren't happenstance. People will often say in difficult seasons, they'll often say things like, you know, well, everything happens for a reason. Or we'll ask, you know, why is this happening? Is there, is there a reason this is happening? See, and I don't, think, I don't think everything happens for a reason. I think everything happens for like a thousand reasons. Like I look back on my life and, and I see a thousand things happening. And, and when I see that, it also makes me realize that there's a thousand things I don't see. There's so many reasons that I look back in my life and I see so many things that God was doing along the way and so many things that I sit there and I wonder, man, I wonder what he was doing there. What was that about? I I don't understand why that happened. When I met with that that pastor in his 60s earlier that I mentioned, he asked me how my first year in New England was going and I told him, I said, I can look back on my life and and I can see from the time I was 19 all of the different things that I have just wondered what God was doing in that season, I can see now what God was preparing me for to move here. Now, here's the thing. He looked at me and he said, well, if God would have told you at 19 all the things you were going to walk through to end up in New England, would you do it? And I said, no. That would, no. I, no, not at all. I wouldn't want to live through any of those things at 19. Because why? At 19, I was going to conquer the world. But now looking back, I wouldn't want to relive them all, but I also don't want to be 43 now without those seasons because God taught me deep things. Friends came into my life that, that have mattered deeply in those seasons. See, and the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us there is a season for work, a season for toil, and a season for enjoyment. Now, most of us, especially if you have, my, if you have a personality like mine, I'm not very good at enjoying God's good gifts. I'm not very good at just enjoying seasons. I'm really good at just getting on to the next one. But to learn that there is a season for joy. See, I said earlier that there's a few different ways to look at your life. One is the halves of life. One is the ages and decades. The other way that I think is really, really helpful is to look at it through the lens of the seasons of the year. Fall, winter, spring, and summer. Now, all of us in this room have a favorite season of the year. And it's, and it's fall. I mean, we know it. It's fall. And that's the answer. But we all have a favorite season. I have kids who love summer. One of my kids loves summer. He loves, he loves how warm it is. One of the things he told me that he just really dislikes about fall and winter is that he has to take wood from the outside of our house to the inside of our house. But I love it. I love, I, and part of why I love fall is because I watch my kids take wood from the outside of my house <laughs> to the inside of my house. But there's all seasons of life. And each season of the year that we live through in the calendar has differences. And they're really important. They're really, really important. And they play out in our life in really important ways. The first one is winter. Winter is the season of darkness in a lot of ways. It's the season of hibernation, of resting, of, of holding steady. 
It's also the season for a lot of people of sickness, of loneliness. There's a deep sadness that comes along with winter. There's also some clarity that comes with winter. You spend more time thinking. You have a little bit more, a little bit more time to just kind of sit and process and, and kind of just be still in winter. You spend a, a little bit more time with people who are close to you in winter. Right? There, there's more holiday parties. There's more time together. There's more you know, game nights because we're snowed in. There's more time together in winter. But winter is also a time of preparation. It's a time of preparing for the next season. It's of getting things ready to, to plant and, and getting things ready for other activities. But it's easy for us to get stuck in winter. And it's easy for us to miss what God is doing in winter as well and what God wants to bring about in us. Because in winter, what do we think about? I can't wait till it's warmer. Man, I just, you know, my, my pasty arms and like, I just can't, I can't wait till I can get to the beach and like, I can't wait to get outside. And I mean, and we're looking for that first leaf to come out, right? That first bloom. We just want to get through winter as fast as possible. But in winter, we do need to pause. We do need to stop. Some of us do need to spend time grieving some of us need to spend time just being sad. We do need to look through the losses of life. We do need to remember things. Much of the book of Psalms was written through the season of winter in David's life. This is a season of loss, season of questioning. In winter, one of the things I want to encourage you as you think about relationships and about yourself is to give yourself a lot of grace. You don't have as much energy in winter as you do in summer. You don't have as much energy. You are tired. The sun goes down at 4 p.m. You just want to go to bed. And do that in winter. Take a nap. Give yourself some grace. One of the questions that my spiritual director asks me whenever I'm in this winter season is I'll always just say, Josh, what do you need to get through today? What do you need to get through this week? And do that. And some of you right now, you're, you're in a place where you're grieving the loss of, of, of friends or, or family or relationships changing. You're grieving the loss of, of a job or health issues. Maybe you have friends that are grieving. We have really good friends who just lost their oldest son to leukemia. And, and, just, and just grieving, you know, from the other side of the country with them. But grieve in winter. And sit in it. But we, don't rush through it. God meets you in every single season. The second season is spring. Spring is the season of new beginnings, right? It's the season of new hope. Life is blooming. The beginning of spring, everybody in New England is a gardener. Till about, yeah, till about May. And then they're like, this is hard. <laughs> but everything, everything is possible. And spring also kind of like can sometimes creep up on us. Like it can happen really early. It can happen really late. There are times that all of a sudden you're like, wait, it's warm. I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this. This could be the start of a new job, a new career, a new opportunity, a new school year. I remember a farmer telling me one time that to have a great fall, 
You have to have a great spring and get a jump on it and work harder than you think. So the spring is the moment when you're getting the flywheel of your life going. You're getting the flywheel of a relationship going. If you're a parent, that's what, that's what the beginning of the school year feels like, where you're just like, you're pushing. You're just like, can I, I, I talk to so many parents who are like, I'm just trying to get to November. I'm just trying to, just trying to get to November. And you're just pushing. And you're wondering, is this going to pay off? Like, is this, is this you know, bulb going to actually grow? Is this going to become a tree? Is this going to become a plant? Because you have no idea at that point. And it's easy. It's easy in spring to stay inside and go back to winter. But we need to wait. And if you're a gardener, you know this. You're just waiting. And you're weeding. And you're pulling things up. And you're like, I hope this, I hope this happens. And that's spring. And some of us in relationships right now are, are in spring. And it's exciting. You're falling in love. You know, you're just, you're having your first child and, and you're just beginning things and it's, and it's fun. And you're hopeful. But it also takes a lot of work in spring. And then there's summer. Summer is the season of fun. Season of enjoyment. The season of schedules changing. Summer is when you begin to see the payoff in life. You begin to see things growing around you. You begin to see, okay, this is all the work that we put in and it's, and it's beginning to happen. You're beginning to see the building that the writer of Ecclesiastes said. But in summer, when you think in terms of farming, you also have to be thinking in terms of protection, of pace. You also have to be thinking in terms of, you know, how do we keep the weeds out? How do we make sure the soil stays protected? It's also easy in summer to sit back and just go, well, you know, I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm just going to coast. Some of us right now are in the summer season of life, and you're just coasting. You're coasting on your gifts. You're, you're not growing. Personally, you're not growing in your marriage. You're not growing in your relationships. You're not growing in your finances or career. You're just kind of coasting. And it's easy to do in summer because you look around and you're like, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Like, I talk to a lot of guys in their 40s, a lot of men and women in their 40s, who are just like, you know what? I can coast on my gifts. I can coast on my personality. Like, I can do this job in my sleep. When you do that, you start to miss things. And if you're like me, if you're, when you're in the season of summer, one of the things that you need to spend some time doing is to just sit there and say, God, help me to enjoy this gift. Help me to enjoy that my health is good, that my finances are good, that my relationships are good. Help me to enjoy. Because that is a gift from God. The last one is fall. Fall is the harvest. Fall is the season when, when essentially you, you see what you did. You see the results. And in that moment, you either celebrate or you cry. And you look around and you go, this is, this is it. This is what I got. Fall is the season of change. The leaves change. The weather gets colder. The days get shorter. Fall is also the season where you begin to prepare for winter. 
See, don't miss this, because throughout your life, throughout your spiritual journey, as you spend more and more time with Jesus, you are preparing for winter. You are preparing for the dark, desolate miles of life. You winterize your house in the fall. Right? Yesterday we cleaned out our garage, so we're all ready to like park in the garage, you know, for winter. You prepare for winter. That's part of what fall is. So what season of life are you in? Are you in summer? Are you in winter? Are you in spring? Are you in fall? What what season of life are you in personally? What about the people closest to you? What's your friends, your family, your spouse, your kids? One of the things, when you pick up your child downstairs, we're going to give you, kind of from our orange curriculum, just a season from birth to 18 of where they are spiritually. What are some of the spiritual questions that they're asking? What are some of the things they're wrestling with? Now, here's the, here's the thing about seasons and relationships, is that there's a very good chance if you're married that you're not in the same season as your spouse. You might be, but there's a good chance that your spouse is in a different season. Here's one of the ways this played out for our family. So when we moved here last summer, we were in between this mixture of winter and spring as a family. People would ask, like, hey, how are you guys doing? How are the kids doing? And there were days where we were all grieving and we were all sad. We had left our our life in Arizona. We lived four doors from our best friends. Our kids, some of our kids, Arizona was the only place that they knew. There's just a lot of sadness, a lot of tears, a lot of lashing out, a lot of why did you move us here? But then there were also spring. There were also moments of just excitement. This is new. We get to try new things. We go to a new school. We get to, you know, we live this close to the ocean. There's new experiences, new places to, to see. And it felt like on a daily basis, like minute by minute, we bounced in between. There were moments where we were celebrating and moments when we were really sad. See, seasons aren't necessarily cyclical. Right? We don't always go straight through from winter, spring, to summer, to fall. Right? I, I remember when I moved here and somebody told me as we got to October, they're like, well, just, just be prepared. Like, it's going to be beautiful in 60. There's going to be a day of 90 and, like, possibly a blizzard. That's October for you. But that's kind of how seasons go. Winter could be like that. Or it could be really long. Summer could go really fast. Or it could be really long. But it is really, really important to know which season of life you're in. Because in each season, there are joys and there are challenges. And in each season, God is doing something in you and something around you. Your season of life right now is not accidental. The season of life that you're in is the season of life that God is using to bring something about. Because there is a time for birth and a time for death, and a time to laugh and a time to mourn. Think about it like this, as our church. Our church is in a season. Our church is always in a season. If you've been part of our church for years, you've lived through all four seasons in the life of our church. 
during COVID from about 2019 to 2021, we were in a season of winter as a church. We were in a season of loss, of staff transitions, season of questioning, people wondering, do, you know, do I, do I want to stay and be part of this? As we navigated COVID, what's that going to look like? I remember when I got here last summer, there was just a lot of just, there was this kind of this tension of like, we're excited about what's new, but we're also really sad. We're excited about the possibilities, but we also kind of, kind of miss people who used to be part of our church. And then as Noah has come on, we're in this season of moving into spring as a church. Four of our six staff members have joined our team in the last 15 months. But we've also had a lot of people who have retired and moved south, moved to other family. And so seasons change. You may look around your community group and go, it feels a little bit different now because the season turned. And in the season of spring for a church, it's a season of new things. It's a season of new possibilities. It's a season of rethinking. It's a season of asking, you know, like you do at your house, like, do we want the garden to look like this this year? Do we want to grow this again, or do we want something new? And so there's this season of rebuilding, the season of possibilities. But as a church, we're not in this season of, of summer and fall. We're not in this place of, like, kind of sitting back. We're in this place of, of pulling in and saying, it's going to take all of us to work together to move forward. And one day we'll be in summer. And one day things will click and things will be moving fast. But we'll all go through a season. So the question today is really just simple. Which season of life are you in? And what is it that God wants to do in you and through you and around you in that season? Not the next season, not the last season not the season that you hope for, but everything under heaven has a time and occasion. And so let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you give us seasons. And I thank you that you walk with us through each one. And God, I pray especially for those who are in a season right now of winter a season of loss and grief, a season of sadness, of loneliness. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would be, we know you're present in that season, but I pray for those in winter that they would know your presence. I pray for those who, who are in summer, I pray that they would enjoy the gifts of summer. pray for those who are building things in spring, that you give them energy. I think that there is a time for spring. There is a time for building. And God, for those in fall, those who are seeing the results of their life, God, may we thank you when the results go exactly like we hope. 
And may we lean on you when the results don't go like we hoped. And so, God, I thank you that nothing happens outside of your purview. Nothing happens outside of your power. In your name. Amen.